Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling like a muse. There we go. Come on, and, why? Uh, actually, am I your muse, babe? No, you wish. Really? Well, you're definitely not mine. <laughs> you witch. That's for sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, exactly. The only thing you are to me is a witch. Um, <laughs> today's guests, plural could be described as each other's muse and particularly i'm really into this idea of like artist partnerships and even though today's guests are distinct artists in their own right one is an incredible photographer the other is an amazing painter we are big fans of both of theirs we thought it would be really cool to um bring them together and actually you know have a joint interview about how they've come together how their lives have intertwined but also the impact it's had on their creative worlds they have done shows together in the past but they're they're not like hannah and rosie who we've interviewed before who actually are like an artist duo they are like individual artists but i'm really excited to explore this idea of the muse um, within both of their works we're coming today from america and a very queer perspective which seems to be a theme on the show i wonder why that is russ because mm, you and i are queer as well would... oh is that it oh okay yeah. keep clearing that up. um and also i think it's a time in the world that we need to keep uh having lgbtqi plus conversations regularly yes. Yes, because yes. i feel like as each week passes, more and more weird shit um, and the far right seems to be just increasing. So I think it's really important that we keep these these conversations happening. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Ian Lewandowski and, and Anthony Cudahy. Hi. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. Have you, heard, have you heard your names intoned before like that? No, all, all the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, as Rob said, you're in America, but uh, mm-hmm. more specifically, you're in South Brooklyn, right? And you're near Prospect Park. Yeah, uh, we live in, uh, well, we, we lived in like this neighborhood called Kensington for about seven or eight years. And then we moved one neighborhood over to Ditmas Park this past summer. So... We're like directly under Prospect Park. That's nice. So what Rob was saying about in the uh, intro is that the fascination with the muse is something that we really wanted to talk to you guys about. And you are an artist uh, couple, your husbands, congratulations. But from what I've read, you share 
the same space and you practice your work in the same room and that has been the case for a while yeah we i guess since we met we shared a studio in some way and then recently actually for the kind of the first time we've had separate studios now for the next like year which has kind of been good in some ways but in like life ways has been harder because it's just harder to kind of do regular like life stuff when you have two different stu- you know two different places where you're making the work but yeah uh outside of that i would say even though we now have two distinct studios we still kind of check in a lot with each other at least at home or yeah, yeah. and i'm usually ian's uh photo assistant <laughs> That's yeah. like my other <laughs> job in life. Um, you know, especially during um, like COVID when we were just like both working from home. And then the only, that first year, the only place we really were, would go out to was like the studio that we shared together. So it was very um, intertwined all the yeah. time. Um, but was, was that a conscious decision at the beginning or was it a financial decision at the beginning that you were going to be in symbiotic when it came to your work um i mean when we first met it was purely yeah financial because it was um we lived together and then we had sort of when we sought out our first like apartment together the idea of a of a um like off-site studio was kind of not possible at that time it was like we knew that we could like save more money by just having like a one-bedroom apartment with a such a layout that it could have a studio yeah. We made the the bedroom into the studio, and then basically our our actual bed was like basically in the kitchen. <laughs> um, was there a fear at the beginning though of sharing a, a, a practice space that it might inflict on the others' opportunity to express themselves? I think it was like like external. It was like I had never it had never occurred to me that it would be a problem until other people would be like, "Well, like, what if like you know you just want to." have your own distinct like art practice or whatever and it it never occurred to me because I was just like oh it's we just kind of worked I mean there it's not that we never have like conflict or something but like I always felt like it was a productive thing yeah and it was like always I mean we're just like so intertwined about like even outside of like the actual space and like time making it it's like we're always talking about our ideas like around art our ideas for like specific pieces or um what we're trying to like accomplish in our own practices so I just feel like it's so intertwined that it's um it's like natural in a way so how did you first both actually meet (laughs) we thought you were going to ask this and we were like arguing (laughs) about it because I couldn't we have we have two different it's like we have two different stories about this. Uh, but um, my story and your story. I want to yeah. hear both. I love this. I'm really happy to hear how you both met in both of your perspectives. Mm. It's not like so different, though. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like just the... one is like one. In- mine includes a key detail that Anthony li- likes to leave out. But the <laughs> um, <laughs> my recollection is we met in 2013, 13. and I was. Uh, shooting for a web show I was because it was like the era of the web show Mm. Um, and uh, I was shooting like an event for them it was like their rap party or something and I was like truly taking any like photo job at the time I was doing any like even ones that I was not cut out for I would 
try and, you know, just, and I, I was just trying to like, I don't know, network, whatever. I had been in New York for like two years by then. And I was about to graduate from undergrad. And I think I posted, I was in this group face. I was in a it was also the era of the Facebook group. Oh my God, uh, <laughs> and I was in a Facebook group for this like gay magazine that I had contributed to like before, like a year or so before I just, cause it was just like a gay web show. I was like, Oh, like, let me post this, invite people like whatever. And so I posted about it and I was like, I'm shooting this event. Like come, like they want to get a bunch of people to come. So like come and then Anthony was in the, in this group and um, in this Facebook group. So then, um, Oh yeah. Oh, two seconds. Here we go. Seconds. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought that was I thought that was Anthony and Ian's dog because you, you you guys actually have a dog as well, don't you? Yeah, you? she's right here, and she probably will become vocal at some point. Yeah, oh, pro- probably because of his dogs. It's going to be like international dogs <laughs> yeah. having a dog off. Mm-hmm. I love this. What, why is your dog called Seneca, by the way? Uh, one of my favorite books, uh, Paradise by Toni Morrison. There's a character in it named Seneca. Of course. Wow. Um, and so that's who she's named. And she, of course, has like 30 names. Yeah. Right. Sorry, guys. That's okay. Well, I'm back. So, sorry, you were saying the, the, gay, the gay magazine Facebook group that you were a part of, and you were like, we need lots of people to be yeah. That was just how I. That was just how I saw his Facebook and then his photography website. And I, I actually, at the time, was working on... Um, this like bi-weekly magazine it was called packet bi-weekly and we like made a like an art zine every two weeks and that featuring a lot of artists and um i wanted to include ian in the in the magazine so it was, i actually like was reaching out to him as a fan <laughs> first um and then also the the project that we featured from ian was <laughs> about his relationship with his ex, which I didn't realize was his ex at the time. So I also was like, ah, oh, Ian's so cute, but he's like. <laughs> well, it's funny because oh, I was no. there. So like, it's it's so funny cool. because I, yeah, the photos were of my ex and there were these kind of like, it was basically like Nan Golden, like fan art that right. I was making, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like 35 millimeter photos of like my boyfriend in bed or whatever. And like, uh, I, the photos were definitely like uh, negative. They were a, about us breaking up. But then I my work was like much different then, but it was, I was pretty transparent about sh- where I would share them and things like that. It's funny because then I was with a, I was with a nut that work was like, by then, like it was like a year old and I was actually with, with someone else when Anthony was like reaching out to me. Uh, but I was actually about to break up with that person too. <laughs> God. Uh, so the, uh, the, it was uh, all meant to be though, wasn't yeah, it? Let's yeah, face yeah. it. Yeah. It was, <laughs> but like, I mean, the thing, the person I was, it wasn't like, um, we weren't like that seriously dating this other person. And I, so yeah, we met and then we just talked on like, what, like Facebook messenger. I don't remember. We just texted for like, um, a couple weeks and then. Met. And it was during, I was I was in New Jersey with my friend who I was spending Thanksgiving with. Yeah. And that was when we were like the most kind of actively communicating. And then we didn't actually like go on a date until December 1st, I remember. Yeah. So you were make you were making taking photographs when you first met and Anthony you were painting as well at that time. Yeah. That was a couple of years after I finished undergrad. In undergrad I actually did like a communications design program, which is like graphic design. 
illustration. Uh, but I was like always painting throughout school. And then it just was not for me uh, trying to be a freelance illustrator. Like that first year out of school was so demoralizing and like not what I wanted to do at all. And so I just kind because, of fully... Because, con- because you were making work and then they would sort of come up to you and say, can you just change this face or can you make this a different color? Or And it's, so the creativity of your personal style is compromised in illustration or... Well, yeah, I was like, because in like school, it's so easy to um, kind of make any project transformed into something that you actually wanted to do. Um, but yeah, in the real world, it's more like do this exactly like this and don't <laughs> deviate from it. And then it was like so much, which is fine, but it was like so much like, you know, do this portrait of this like artist or writer who's having this big thing, a project or a book coming out. And it was just this strange thing where it's like, I, but that's like the thing I want to be doing. I don't want to be like one layer removed describing it or something. So yeah, I just kind of, like switched from that and then just kind of fully settled on painting and you and you were a fan of each other's works you said you was a fan of ian's yeah Yeah, i think i knew well so we both went to pratt at different times but it was pratt's like a a, well it's a little bigger now but it was tiny little school at that time like there were you it was like you knew everyone that went there basically Mm -hmm. and so i didn't we had never met but we actually had like friends in common and then we like um I knew the work and it's crazy how like different when I see stuff that we both made from that time, I'm like, wow, it's like so different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not so different for you. You can still like see the, for me, I'm like, it just feels like a different person. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony, when you were reaching out, I know that you, as well as making art, your like, you know, your paintings, you actually are devoted to collecting imagery and photography. And like, you have a kind of, um, interest in like queer photo archives and i know that you obsessively take photos of ian and yeah (laughs) um but you but you but you you also have a kind of like interest in in ancient kind of imagery as well and kind of iconography from the past and Mm. even like film stills and things like that so was that something like you seeking out ian's work is that kind of part of that that kind of obsession and um fascination you have to collect in a way yeah i think for a lot of people or like artists around my age who are gay there was also this like sort of really vibrant moment that happened on like Flickr of all places um Mm. and it was a lot of like young gay photographers who were documenting their relationships and and kind of like in the school of like a Nan Golden or like yeah certainly or like Wolfgang Tillman's and, but just uploading it to Flickr and like creating this kind of community there. And it's, I think that especially kind of had a big influence on like the kind of images that I wanted to make in my paintings. And I also think it's like a a lot of those photographers uh, maybe like slowed down or stopped making work because there wasn't really, it wasn't like the very recent past where like an app like Instagram kind of, really helped a group of Mm -hmm. artists um reach you know like notice and like showing and galleries and Mm. i kind of feel like it's it was like 10 years before that but like so Mm. tied to all these painters in new york 
But you can really see people on Instagram who have a following and then they do get shows. People yeah. are discovered on Instagram, whereas before it felt like people were putting stuff up and it was seen, but it wasn't yeah. translating into exhibitions or right. opportunities to show work or be represented, for example. But now there, there definitely is a, a dialogue that comes from the apps to mm-hmm. actually yeah. physically being in a space. Yes. Right. Yeah. From being on all these different, you know, like I was on Instagram or I was on Flickr and then I was on Tumblr and then I was on Instagram and it was definitely like unique experience to that. Maybe it was just like what was going on in the art world too. Like mm-hmm. everything just kind of converged, but it was, it was definitely different than. But the, these were paintings you were uploading <laughs> photographs of, or these were photographs you were taking. Oh, um, these, I was always uploading my own paintings and stuff, Wow. but, but I feel like I was looking at a lot of photography always because it's really interesting how much photography obviously is for you Ian but for both of your practices it feels fundamental even though what we see from you in the world Anthony is your paintings really they're born out of images archive images as Rob was saying photographs you're taking of Ian you know the the magazine stills and film stills and it's really amazing actually that the, the camera has become a kind of uh, symbiotic thing for you both. Yeah. yeah. Even just like, you know, I was always drawn to like photographic imagery, but like being with Ian and like seeing how he works, it's also just like, I feel like I am really like privileged in that way that I have like kind of like an insider view to a medium that I don't, that I'm not creating. Like I get to see... Mm-hmm. I feel like I just understand, I, not like you, but I like. I feel like I understand like photography much deeper than I would have if, yeah. um, if I didn't see how you work. I mean, too, it's like, I think we work with, even though like it's maybe more transparent or it's more camouflaged, I'll say like with my, with me, um, or at least that's what it feels like, is like we both kind of use reference material in a similar way where we, and we always have, like we always kind of, like even when we met, I think we discovered we we both used a lot of reference material, and it was always like photographs. And the same would it be ever be the same crossover? Would you find that you've both been looking at the same image? There's probably moments occasionally, of that. yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of times Ian will find will have like because Ian will have his um in his studio he kind of has his um, it's just like a I guess like a mood board or yeah like mood a, board like inspiration yeah. wall and a lot of times I'll come in and he'll point to like one that he thinks looks like something I'd be drawn to. And he's like, you're not allowed to paint that. (laughs) (laughs) That's mine. (laughs) Off limits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's his prerogative to do that, but... It's out in the world, yeah. Yeah. Both both of your works are an ongoing exploration of queerness and you share uh, a tenderness and there's a nuance and an intimacy and romance are huge themes that go through both of your practices. That's obviously a reflection this is pop psychology, of the romance and the tenderness uh, that you have for each other. And do does the work, you know, do you get affected by images that each other's making? Like you're saying, the found images, but if if Anthony's doing something, are you like, oh, I like that painting of, you know, there's some element of that, I want to photograph that and vice versa. Do you feel this bleed between both of your output? I think so. I'm trying to think of an example of that. But like, yeah, I... I there's like moments in the paintings that feel like it was something that I didn't realize I was trying to get at or something. 
And like, I don't know if you feel that way. I feel like sometimes we also like end up kind of trying to solve the same problem at the same time. Like there was a period where you kept trying to take um, a photograph of someone singing. Oh Oh, no, there's that too. Um, You kept trying to take a photo of someone singing. And at the same time, I was really trying to, which I actually never successfully figured it out i kind of like threw away mm-hmm. those paintings um the singing you know i tried to get oh. i tried to do a painting of like someone listening to a sound like a song and oh. like represent it in like painting so i feel like we were both trying to do this like yeah at the same time trying to use a medium to describe another medium yeah and then there's just like weird things like i did a painting of at the last like 1969 show i did there was like a the first painting when you walked in was this like woman staring at you and she was uh, holding a knife. Um, mm-hmm. And then. And Ian... then I had like, I had like 10 different pictures I tried to take with knives after that. And I didn't even like, I mean, it, I was really affected by that painting. I was really like, there's times that like, I'm like, that's my favorite one so far, you know? And I feel like at that time that was my favorite one. And I felt like there was such a, um, an intensity. It's like, it's hard to say what it was, but it was like, it's, there was just this, this gesture of the knife, this like protective, but like very violent kind of gesture, but also very like theatrical gesture of like wielding a knife. And I felt Mm. so drawn to that. And I actually tried to like, I don't know, infuse it into a few photos and like it maybe worked like once out of, out of like 10. Uh, but that things like that, like it makes, I think like we've, it's like a dialogue in that way. And like the knife, I don't, it's not like I really knew what the knife meant in my photo at that time, but I just, I knew I needed to try it. Mm. You know, Russell mentioned the word tenderness and um, there was something that I think really connects both of your work is like you were saying about trying to paint uh, sound almost I guess like in the sense of somebody listening to something and having that very direct experience with sound but I feel like it's very sensory and your photography for example if you think of like your name you know from um, recent history like the last year or so that that that, that body of work is so much about touch and um, a kind of very tender like moment in connection to other humans but also to the world around us and the way you can feel things out like whether it be mechanical or um you know being on a beach with your friends you know reaching out and touching their shoulder just just these kind of moments all through life that every day you experience them and I and I think when I see your work and it's the same in Anthony's paintings it kind of then makes me look at my everyday completely differently and you know Anthony you 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 have it so much in your paintings with people like leaning onto their hand or like hands in the background or um people holding hands or even like the dog like licking its skin there's these kind of very active moments of touch and senses that I think is really unique to your both of your your worlds yeah yeah I think the the hand thing (laughs) with that work I've I it took me a minute to realize how many hand gestures that were in it and I was like oh is it like too much I remember asking you that I was like is it too many is it too like is it like a gimmick or something but uh yeah I never thought of that work so much about touch but it's it's true it really is um and I think when I was making that work I was thinking a lot about 
this, so the work is about, um, that you're talking about is about this club, this like this gay discotheque that existed for a very short time. And a lot of where I was coming from with that work was like, it was for, it was like sort of commissioned body of work. And, um, the touch thing is really important and I never applied that word to it until now, but the idea of touches is important for it because it was, um, I was essentially making up a lot of this stuff because a lot of the, um, lore of this place was like never, uh, formed or was never really like concretized. So I was kind of, so like the idea of like touch in that work is very like, um, it's almost like I'm, I'm reimagining or reenacting something that might've happened around this place or this like, you know, sense of like a body touching another body. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, um, maybe you can like speak more to that work than I can. This is, this is (laughs) the ongoing project. The ice palace is gone. No. So this is, um, a body of work that was actually quite short for me. It was, uh, it took less than a year and it was for, um, it was for like a literary journal. It was, uh, commissioned Mm -hmm. and, it was about this, uh, this gay club that existed for eight years in the, in, in the East village, it was called the saint. Um, and it was owned by the guy who made the St. Mark's baths. Um, and the kind of, there's like very little, uh, scholarly representation of it in like collections or in like, there's, there's very little like evidence that of this place like ever existing essentially. So, um, the work that I was doing, I was essentially, um, doing research and then I was like constructing images out of that. It wasn't really quite like documentary. Uh, it was more like I was taking my approach, which is oftentimes to, to really construct and really like make the image myself. The Ice Palace work uh, came short, was like a little before that 2000 ended in like 2019, Mm -hmm. but it's not I mean, it's not entirely different. It's I'm I'm still using the same kind of um, large format camera, and and a lot of the work on both for both of those bodies of work pretty traditional camera setup, traditional kind of portrait setup. But you um, also, I think you both celebrate the slowing down of an audience or mm-hmm. of the making of the work. You yourself use a Victorian camera, I think, isn't it? That takes a long time to focus, and obviously yeah. the, the the paintings are full of moments that you can stare at them forever and you'll discover something new every day there's so much storytelling going on in the contextualization of them that's uh an energy that you two must also share you know this longing to slow down everything totally yeah so yeah i use a i use my camera is like kind of born of like the dawn of glass like late 1800s uh so like um it's a view large large format view camera with a hood Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's very slow. It's very like the image you take has to kind of be informed by that slowness or that mm-hmm. kind of. You can't really take like a a casual photograph with this camera. So it's very. Um, and that took a while for me to. I won't fully divulge into this now, but like it's it took me a while to kind of realize that that's what I wanted from the pictures. Mm. Um, but what do you about the slowness thing? What do you? Well, yeah. About? I, I mean, I feel like the slowness really connects back to like a lot of the um, what we were just talking about with like the sensory and the touch and also like kind of like romantic 
notions in that like mm. um i think a lot of uh the reason i'm drawn to making and like looking is like there's something like a sentimentality just like inherent to my character and like mm. a need to like slow down like be alone with something and like consider it and have time to think and then also it's like when you're translating that into paint it is like it's i mean it's a solitary thing but it also is just like a way to um almost like get yourself ready to go back <laughs> into the world or like it's like a way to not in like an art therapy way but like just a way to like process events and people in your life and like thoughts and just kind of like solidify ideas that are maybe a little bit too complex to say and then and then yeah just like the sensoriness of like a surface like with painting is like because so much of the of the paintings don't translate obviously like online or like on instagram Mm -hmm. on the phone because it's painting is really so much about like the slow read of like a surface um, and like making that really complex and that's such like a sensory thing and exactly well i I, i've been following your practice we've both been following your practice for many years and i'd never met ian and we met recently uh, there was a group show at grim gallery in london who is uh your gallerist who are amazing uh big up jorg love you um but i'd never met ian and when i met ian i felt kind of starstruck and then i realized (laughs) that ian appears a lot in your paintings and i was like oh it's you and i felt really bashful around you i thought i'm meeting a star meeting madonna because i'd seen so many images of you for so many years and and we met that night and we had a discussion about it and i think my question to you was what does that feel like to be recognized from your husband's paintings of you that must be a really because you must get that a lot the more successful you're both becoming and the more these images are out in the world you must really be experiencing that on a daily basis yeah it's i mean especially in like the just like i guess like small it feels like so big but in this small kind of like world that we inhabit Mm. yeah it does i mean it is like more and more common i feel like it's interesting because like he always um I mean, not quite as often as recently, but he, I was always at least a figure, uh, sometimes Mm -hmm. and, or a model, right? Like I was like, it was maybe not me meant to be a portrait of me necessarily, but it was like, I was the, I was the stand in or whatever for the model. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's made me think a lot about, cause I feel like with my work, I think a lot about like the person in it isn't always I think we re- we relate in this way. We're like sometimes the the person is not that person, right? It's mm-hmm. like a there there may be a character or like a um, a type. yeah, or they're kind of like holding some idea, right? But I think so. I think for a long time, I maybe I also just had a different relationship to my own self and my own like body at that time. So I think I it was always really informed by maybe like my, like my reaction to it was always really informed by maybe my, my own mental state or my own. So I remember there's this one and I think it's in like, where is it? Somewhere in the UK, the long sleeping one. Yeah. There's this one that he painted that um, I think must've been 20, what, 16, 18, 2018. Yeah. And I felt 
like that for the first time I was like, that's, it feels like me. Like it actually, like before that it never did. I remember. And I remember I would always be like, that doesn't like, it's okay because it's just like, I'm just the model for it. Like it was almost scary, right. To be like the, the actual person in the painting. Right. And were, it's funny were you because, always aware that it was you, or do you sometimes would you like turn the easel around and you'd be shocked <laughs> that you're like, I'm there again, there I am again. When did you when did you do that one of me? <laughs> well, there's only one time that that's happened, and it was wait what? He doesn't want me to say it. It's a, there's one time that that happened, right? That that did happen, and he doesn't remember this, but he didn't tell me he was painting it, and it was like a. It was like a sext like that I sent him. Right. And I was like, oh, you're like painting that. And actually you already have painted it. And actually it's hanging in the gallery. Um, <laughs> you and you saw it on and, opening um, night. You're well, like, oh, okay. I think I had seen it finished, like yes. in the studio, yeah, but it right. was already kind of like, you know, the people were coming to like pick it up or something. It was like already ready to go. And I was like, and I wasn't like, I just was, I'm just giving him a hard time. Cause it was, it wasn't a big deal, but like, I, it was like this very intimate mm-hmm. picture. Right. And so, but, but that's the thing. Like, I think this is like, that comes up for a reason maybe because like, I feel just personally, I think I feel a lot more confident than I maybe did when he first painted me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this, like it's made, it's made me think a lot about, and I think about this with my own work and the, the people that I photograph over years um, is like, they, they change, right? Like that, that person changes and maybe they have a different relationship to their own image or their own mm. depiction. Um, and like, I guess it's different when it's a painting, but uh, to me it, yeah, it, it is that it is this thing where like, I feel more, we maybe like, I don't know if it's like an unconscious thing, but like I, f- it's like I feel more comfortable being in them, and he also seems to feel more comfortable with like depicting specifically me, rather than just like myself as a a stand-in. Because like with painting, like I don't really consider a lot of my paintings like portraiture. Like I think that they're like figurative. So for me, that that means like I'm always kind of towing this line between likeness, like in the painting um sometimes likeness like solves the painting and sometimes it can like kill the painting like it can look exactly like the person you're representing but it's not a good painting anymore and you have to kind of be willing for me at least you have to be kind of willing to like maybe let it not look like the person to save the painting um but i will say that even though i'm not like consciously trying for like a better likeness of you. I feel like those moments where you are like, oh, that really looks like me happen more. Like it feels yeah. like you identify with the paintings more. And then the other thing that happened was for so long, I was working with a lot of that found imagery that we were talking about earlier and like mm-hmm. images that I had collected and um, kind of like mold over. Um, and I feel like my practice used to be a lot more like direct one-to-one like find like a fleeting moment in a photograph and like it was really about that like it was really about how um you know photography like um is this one distinct like 
uh, you know, still subjective, like, but like distinct, like moment in time. Yeah. And that that is like such a fleeting thing. And I was really like sentimental about that. And like, mm. um, mm-hmm. but as my work like changed and it became more of like me kind of collaging uh, figures and making it into like these more allegorical scenes, mm. I kind of had, it was actually our mutual friend, Ariel Goldberg. They kind of brought it up it got to this point where it was like, I was using this like archival imagery, but then I was making these figures into characters. Um, so detached from the original source material. Mm. And Ariel was like, w- like, how would you feel if someone was like, that was my like gay uncle. And it was like a, it was like a pride parade image. And then you've changed it into this other scene. And that just really made me realize how at that point, like detached from the source material it became. And I started, uh-huh. and I started using people in my own life and kind of setting up oh, right. the scenes myself. So you felt more. a kind of guilt or about using, taking someone else's lived experience and changing it for. Yeah. Yeah. Re- um, recontextualize it for your own work. You felt like a responsibility suddenly. Yes. Wow. Uh, especially just because, I I think I felt it less when it really was that one-to-one because it felt like it was in a way about that person, even if, even if it was about like the inability to like know them, Yeah, you know, like it was still about them and that immaterially it was really about like finding that photograph and translating it. And then just kind of naturally, like what I was interested in painting changed and it became more narrative and, um, almost like allegorical and like like I said so it it just at a certain point it became so detached from the original source material that I had to question why I was still using it and what that meant to use it in that way so yeah Mm. I've got so many similar questions to ask you that we asked um Jenna Gribben who I know is a really Mm -hmm. good friend of yours and I feel like their her her relationship with her now wife congratulations uh, Mackenzie they have Mackenzie appears in Mm -hmm you know, 99% or I'd say 98% like her child appears and friends, but Mackenzie Mm -hmm. is there constantly. And I I was asking her, I said, is there this fear that what, what happens if, and obviously you guys are married forever. This is like a fairy tale, but (laughs) what happens if that, that muse that has become so intrinsic and fundamental to your practice, something happens where that's no longer accessible is that something that you consider and and talk about and worry about, or have I just thrown something out there that's going to no. make you spiral? <laughs> no, I mean, I like the thing that I like about us both. Like, you know, I always kind of make fun of Ian a little bit because I'm like, you never take photos of me anymore. But um... <laughs> and you're like, I'm painting you every day, and you're <laughs> taking pictures of me. Yeah, but the but I think cumulatively. I actually am like, yeah, because Ian's, you know, uh, still probably takes like five to 10 portraits of me in a year. I feel like, um, he just takes so many photos that it doesn't feel like that many. Um, but I feel like if you cumulatively, and that's what I'm interested in is like kind of the, the document of this like person changing and like, um, and like it's so difficult to actually 
you know, I feel like a painting or like a photograph, all it can do is like maybe tell you a descriptive thing, like a little bit about the person, but it's not like their whole being, being or soul. Yeah. Mm. So I guess my answer to the, the question would just be that it like, I do kind of think of it as this like, uh, not like a travelogue, but it's kind of like a enclosed, like a durational thing across time. Like, yeah. so if it did have an end, it would, that would still be part of the, the end would be part of the, the, yeah, yeah, the thing. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. And, and uh, yeah. I'm looking at you now, Ian, and I've seen on social media, you've recently had a haircut. Now yes. images of you, you have, you have, you've had long hair that's been plaited uh, yeah. in, in most of the paintings. Are there new images coming up, Anthony, of Ian <laughs> now with his cropped hair, cropped beard, kind of like summer look, even though we're in the middle of winter now? Yeah. <laughs> well, Ian, I think Ian's trying to keep the center part, which is nice. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love it. I got so attached to the middle part during when I had long hair, so I'm trying to keep it. But it's like someone... Someone on Instagram was like, you know, it'll just like fall out eventually. It'll just like go, like it'll just, because it's like less heavy on the side. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I was like, no, I want to keep it. <laughs> um, have I, you started doing images with this, Anthony? No, it's, this is like day two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, will you though? This is, yeah, this is a world yeah. exclusive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I took a lot of videos and, images while we were actually cutting the hair so are you gonna paint, ah. you're gonna paint that maybe that sounds oh, wow. like more, yeah <laughs> um but it was like a big it was a big thing that was like seven years yeah was, i had uh, my hair for a long time ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It was, it was time. I think it was just, I had to just let go of the, you know, fear of, it's like, I, it's like a weird relationship. I feel like I never felt like I had any, um, I feel like I was like, whatever, I was shape. Like it's, I didn't care that much about it, but it, it really became like part of my self. I don't know. Part of my, identity. yeah, your identity. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a weird thing. It's, I think like I was just ready to let it go. <laughs> well, you know what? It's always there forever in the paintings. So, exactly. True. Um, yeah. There's actually an amazing painting called Seeking a Pattern from 2021 where you're um, looking down with your glasses on in the middle parting. Yeah. 
Is that yeah. the and shells? No. Um, it's the one where there's like a patterned yeah. kind of bed or or, or something. It's our uh, or something. It's our bed sheet. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. But the funny thing oh, is about yeah. that painting is you've got this hand in the background, yeah, which is kind of almost surreal or something like. And I couldn't work it out, and it really reminded me of being on a tour bus because when you when you're on a, when you're in a band, I used to be in a band when I was growing up, and you would sleep on tour buses, and everyone would have a little curtain, so you'd have like bunk beds almost in a bus, and mm-hmm. people's hands would like you know pass you oh. water or whatever, and it just reminded me of <laughs> yeah. that. It was so weird because it's quite what, what what's going on in that painting? I couldn't work it out. Um, well, it's kind of, a um, uh, the hand has this kind of, uh, knife going through it. It's from like a Bosch painting. Oh, yes. Um, That's what it is. It's the knife, the dagger. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of times there will be kind of a, an apparition or kind of like a demonic, uh, character, uh maybe operating in like a different zone than the rest of the painting but yeah i was trying to like i mean i like to keep the paintings really open-ended but like with that one i was just kind of trying to balance this worry or this like kind of yeah like demon with uh a figure that is uh like the title said like seeking a pattern or trying to order um things and um but the pattern is also kind of like not i love painting like patterns or decorative things and tapestries and stuff because um i'm just too sloppy of a painter for it to be exact and i like that kind of (laughs) i like that kind of um pointing to like a rigid thing but like Mm -hmm. it failing at at actually accomplishing it um mm. yeah like tiles or or different patterns within fabric or yeah yeah what does it feel like to have yourself in other people's living rooms around the world ian and then obviously in the photographs anthony i mean what is what is that like this highly personal work and this was a question i asked we asked jenna as well because this work is so personal you're just talking about your bed sheets you're talking about mm-hmm. your bedroom your the intimacy mm-hmm. you share as a couple knowing that goes out in the world, releasing those works, is that quite a painful thing? You as the artist and you as the muse? When I, I mean, maybe because I take, like I take something that's regarded as like the, like based in reality, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, uh, and like when I, I've noticed that like, this is like a roundabout way to answer the question, but I, I, I noticed that like when I, I'm, when like a collector is looking at my work and they're like, okay, I'm thinking about this one, blah, blah, blah. They're always, they're always like, I don't, um, I don't know this person. So I don't want to collect this one. I don't know that person. I don't know if I can put them on my wall. And that's always been confusing to me. Cause I'm like, isn't that the, isn't that why it's like an artwork? Like, it's like, you don't have to know them. Um, it doesn't have to be, it can be like this made up figure. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, to me, I'm like, I don't feel on display i don't feel like i'm on display like when i see it it's like this little secret or something maybe mm-hmm. um i don't know if i'm like counter i'm like uh countering what i said before but like the i think the when i see it on the wall i'm like it's it's me but it's like not at the same time mm-hmm. i for me i feel like um in person or just like in my day-to-day life 
with people, I feel like I'm kind of a, like a shy person Mm -hmm. and the, the paintings are just like, so it's like this place where I've never, actually, I was thinking about this because, um, was listening to your episode with Kyle that -hmm. just like came out and he said this thing about like, um, I came out in the paintings before I came out in real life. And I really kind of related to that, but even just outside of like coming out, I just feel like the paintings are this place where I just, I don't have like a, there's not like this like filter or something or like I'm not, or like the painting like overrides that like impulse in me to self-censor or something like, um, and it's, it's like a, a place where I can just, yeah, I guess express parts of myself um, that I don't <laughs> in like day to day life. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. The paintings are bigger than you, or the paintings say the words that you can't find. Yes, yes, and that's kind of the. Do you have it? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. Go on. I just that's kind of the joy of like having a, uh, like a proxy object <laughs> or something. Yeah, like you can totally. be like, you can be like, look at this, like. And that says enough for me. I don't need to. <laughs> well, yeah. that, the, the thing is about the modern thing with artists is that artists have made art because words aren't enough and they haven't got the words, so they make the art. But nowadays you have to then have the words to talk about the art that you made yeah, because yeah. you didn't have the words for it. Particularly because of talk art. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, 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 really, we're really pushing that. But yeah, I was going to say, it, it is it, it, this media trained sort of like ability to discuss your art, but you, you're also part of, a crew now like you just mentioned Kyle Coniglio and we're talking about Jenna Gribben and you've both just done this incredible uh edition together where there is uh, like a pair in there's your photograph and and a print of Ian obviously and it's uh and that photograph has um Jarrett Ernest in it and Candy Store and we spoke to Jarrett Ernest with Lisa Yuskavage who I know is have been a mentor to a lot of you and Doran Lamberg has just painted Jarrett and Candy Store in a painting together. There is this real incredible moment that you're part of in pop culture that is going to be written about. Do you feel like you're part of that? And do you, are you so in awe of your friends and, and that you're part of this conversation? Um, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> great to be, I think like it's when you see like, I think for, I didn't realize this until maybe recently that when you, when you're part of what you're doing, when you're making your body of work or making your artwork is that maybe unconsciously um, and later on, maybe more consciously, I would say that it's, it's definitely, it's very conscious for me now is that you're also trying to find like your context or you're trying Mm -hmm. to sort of like do what you can to place yourself among, among those who you want to be kind of contextualized with. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, you know, we look back and look at people's careers and see that maybe they end up in the kind of a, a misunderstood context, or maybe, you know, they they end up somewhere where maybe they, their work doesn't sh- quite shine the way it should or should, you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's this, like, to be contextualized with Jarrett, with Candy Store, with Duran, with Kyle, like, it's, it's, if with Jenna, it's like really such a it's such an honor right like it's like this thing of we were and the other thing is like when i worked like when you work with those people or when you 
just have a more quotidian kind of conversation with those people as we have for years with a lot of those people. It's like, I think you don't realize, like when I made the picture of Jared and Candy Star, I was like, oh, this is just like the picture I want to take. And then you realize like, oh, it has this deeper kind of context, right? It has this, mm-hmm. like that, that you don't really think about actively, or at least I don't, like I don't, um, to me, I was just like, those were the people that I imagined like being the stars of this picture. But like, I, uh, it's nice seeing it play out in this way that is kind of, benef- I don't know, mutually beneficial or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing too, just like, for me personally, like, you know, when I, the art world was so different when I graduated undergrad in like 2011. And it was like, if you were painting, you kind of had to have this kind of like conceptual, like, uh, crux around it. Like you had to have like, you know, we were just saying like the, like 80 paragraphs explaining it and everything was so like, unsentimental and like unromantic and like serious and kind of grayed out. And especially if you want to do figurative work, you really had to have like um, some kind of like conceptual crutch to uh, excuse the fact that you were doing this like embarrassing thing. (laughs) And I feel like all these artists that we like found each other either through friends or school or, um, you know, uh, tumblr and then instagram um you know it was like doing this everybody was clearly themselves and doing their thing and um without a lot of eyes on it and like definitely like out of style with uh what was going on and so it's been really like validating and kind of insane and really like cool to see all these people Cause most of us, I feel like are friends or like, it's like a friend of a friend. Uh, it's a very like tight circle that like already existed before, you know, the, the art world kind of took notice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the way that I thinking about like, you know, I met Ian through this like art magazine that I was doing uh, with my friends. And that was kind of like, because I didn't do painting in undergrad, I really was struggling to find. Yeah painters to talk to and get to know and that's like how I met Duran as well as like he I saw like on Tumblr that he had just moved to New York so I like asked him if he wanted to be interviewed for that magazine and that was like uh back in like that was also like 2013 or 2014 um and yeah so it's like I think it's just cool, I guess. Is no, it the, must feel amazing. Well, short... <laughs> it must feel amazing. Lydia Pettit, obviously, is another talk mm-hmm. guest that we, we hung out recently in Amsterdam together. She's yes. a good friend of yours. And you're all this generation of really talked about and curatorially uh, mm-hmm. respected um, and just like game changers, really. It's, it's really it's really good, that, that idea of peers, mm. um, you know, your, your peer group and the strength you can get from that. Because I always, I said it before, I know, but I'm going to say it again, but people always, especially students, will say, how do I make it? How do I, you know, how do I get a show? How do I get you to, you know, notice what I'm doing and all this stuff? But I always say you need to build up your own network of artists that, you know, are like-minded people. And then in, within that, you'll, you'll get strength. Because obviously being an artist is such a, thing you can end up doing on your own it's such a 
isolating thing a lot of the time. But I think it is really key to seek out those people, even if they're already more well known than you are, like to find them out your a bit tribe. like, you know, you, you, you interviewed Duran, yeah. you need exactly. And, and the same with galleries. It's like, you need to find the gallery that you feel comfortable with or the city you feel comfortable with all that kind of stuff. You know, do, have you ended up collecting art at all? Do you live with art? Have you um, done swaps with, with that group with each of friends? Other. Um, have <laughs> you even cl- uh, saved your own art? Because I yes. imagine sometimes maybe you might make a work where it just feels like you really don't want to let that one go, particularly if it's of someone you love so much. Yeah, we, I mean, a lot of trades with friends um, or gifts that friends have given us. Like we have a, you, do you know the paint? I don't know if you've had her on, uh, the painter, Jenny Casey. Yes, um, oh, we haven't, yes of course. Haven't we haven't had her on, but know the work. I'd yeah. like to. Yeah. We have this like amazing painting that she gave us for when we got engaged. Um, oh. That's like one of my favorite. And we have like a, I traded EJ. with uh, EJ Hauser, mm-hmm. who's one of my favorite painters. She also was... Um, a friend and is a friend and was a teacher of, at Hunter and Lily, Lily Wong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt Lifehite, uh, Daniel Rampula, yeah, Bra- uh, Bryson of... Rand and Jenna and I like have been saying that we were going to trade for like <laughs> years now, but we got to make that happen. And the works <laughs> are getting more and more expensive. And then yeah. it, it becomes a bit more like, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get on to our final questions, I'd like to talk about art as therapy. And, and you were mentioning briefly, Ian, like having uh, mental health and how like art has helped you. And I know that, um, Anthony, you've been very vocal about uh, OCD therapy you had. Mm-hmm. And how was how has that been, being able to use art as something that you can channel anxieties and, and mental health into? Has it been a release or, or with yourself, Anthony, the OCD? Was it something that was... I mean, what, what, what does that, how does that factor into an art practice when you have something like that to consider? Um, well, for me, I, um, yeah, no, I, so this year, actually, I finally got, um, like officially diagnosed with OCD and then like did specifically like OCD, um, like, uh, exposure therapy, which, um, for years, I just kind of like did various kinds of talk therapy and like cognitive behavioral therapy and like all this, mm-hmm. um, stuff that is great for a lot of stuff, but not OCD actually. Um, so I made a lot of progress with that. It's funny. Cause it's like the, the root of it, I guess, um, uh, is like in the work. I feel like my paintings, I feel like are about a lot of those feelings of like mm-hmm. precarity or um, wanting to feel safe and maybe not necessarily feeling that um, like, I feel like it's all in the work in that way. And in that sense, it's kind of like the paintings are a place for me to like um, make a record of that kind of thinking and like that experience. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, actually the, um, you know, the OCD stuff was always health related until the past couple of years when it like latched on to my like <laughs> painting practice. And I started, you know, once I started actually like, um, having success and we got out of, uh, you know, really amazing things. Like we got out of the debt that we were in and we got 
in a much more secure place. Then it became this thing where it was like, uh, what if my paintings fall apart for this reason? Or like, what if I don't know about this archival thing? And um, so it actually kind of became a like a torture because the 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 place that I would go to as kind of, you know, a therapy in a way became like this really fraught place that was very triggering for the thoughts. But actually, yeah, this year I've, I have made a ton of progress yeah. on that. And like, oh, it's kind of crazy how effective OCD therapy is. It's like when compared to talk therapy, um, like, and, and, and it's funny cause it's like the same lessons that like, you kind of learn with painting and stuff is just like, you just have to sit with the uncertainty. You have to like, yeah. you have to just like be okay with that. And yeah, that was like rambling, but. <laughs> no, but does, does it affect the, will it affect the work? Or have you seen a change in the work because of the change in yourself and the security you now have in your thinking? You know, beyond like any, like, like my mental state, or anything like I feel like the paintings always take this like priority so like I'll like kind of torture myself to be able to like finish it the way that I want to so mm. it's just in the the paintings haven't changed it's just that like now it's like again it's kind of like mm -hmm. the joy that it used to be when I would paint so it's just like a lot less mental <laughs> footwork to get to the place where you can be present enough to paint Mm. Um, the work the work's the thing isn't it i think i've had that in my life where however like fractured i feel when i'm acting i'm, I'm on it i'm all, all over it i know my lines i'm professional i'm in it i'm emotional and then off camera i'd be falling apart do you know what i mean uh -huh. i'd be an absolute wreck but when i'm on camera i'm like that's the work that's what's important yeah and you're able to really that that is intrinsic and to mm -hmm. our being you know yeah and that's that that knowing that that higher power has been given to you to do the thing you're doing and the privilege you're doing yeah. that focus really drives you yeah because it's like such like a <laughs> i don't even know like the right way to say it it's it's really just like you're keyed into like a wavelength that just you're just like so like hyper present and it doesn't feel like regular time mm -hmm. or like regular experience and like yeah that's like the best part of creating is being in that state i feel mm -hmm. like agree you know russ and i were talking recently with an artist called jake gruel who's um recently had a, a first kind of solo show in the uk <clears> and um we really love him and um he was talking about uh, romanticism mm -hmm. and that as a kind of genre and i also feel like in in both of your work nature plays a big role and this kind of like almost like a safe space of nature or kind of curious maybe um uh, uncanny kind of um element of nature that might come in within the paintings or even in the photographs like mm -hmm. I, one of my favorite pictures by ian is uh, of david in prospect park with the record um mm -hmm. being pulled out of oh, the yeah. sleeve and you just get this kind of element of like sensory touch but also the nature behind him like the trees mm -hmm. and it, it's such a classic portrait that and it could be it's a really timeless image but i love how sensual it is and how it makes you think about music and these different things like we've discussed earlier but how important is nature and this idea of the romantic i think for me thank you, you for that was that was you, know, that's it. you should talk about the how covid 
made I, it. I was so. about to. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Don't like Love this. media Couple. train me. <laughs> um, for me, it was when I made when I made the Ice Palace work, it was almost entirely like indoor in people's own living space in their apartment. Um, mm-hmm. With lights, I was controlling the light, like in, you know, electronic lights. And then like right after I made that work basically is when COVID happened. Mm. And um, I remember having all these ideas for photos I was going to take indoors. And I was like, okay, now I have to do like the annoying thing of like figuring out, can I take these outside? Is there, you know, is there some way to rectify this? And so I, and I was really not used to um, shooting outside because I was so such like a control freak. And that camera is hard to take outside simply because there's just more things, more distractions, like more kind of um, potential like hindrances to the process. So I brought the camera outside and at first I really didn't like how the pictures were coming out. And then, and then it was like, I realized the outdoor space wasn't simply just a way to get around COVID. You know, it was sort of also the new setting of the work. It was the thing that I had to sort of adapt to be able to make the work. And so it felt like this real, the outdoor space felt like a couple of things. It felt like this, I think with the Ice Palace work, I was thinking a lot about safety, about the safety of being indoors with someone and taking a picture and that, that experience. Mm-hmm. But then the outdoor stuff, it was almost like I had to consider the opposite, you know, consider like the potential for like um, a lack of safety or potential for having to negotiate having this moment of like very like maybe queer expression outside in public and what things had to be considered for that. Right. And especially during a global health emergency, right. Like a time when like we were sharing the same like air and we didn't know whether that was safe or not. And that idea of like taking the picture and having that be this like safe or kind of like trusting scenario, but doing that while this huge thing is going on you know, just outside the pictures, like this, this, uh, this pandemic is happening. I mean, and also it's like, speaking of anxiety, it was like, that was really what that, that work felt like it ended up being about was, was, was the anxiety of like, where I think a lot of artists felt this way during the pandemic, which was like, what will happen to my work if I can't, if, if it outlives me, right. Or if like, like, will I still be able to produce the work? Will I still be capable of that? I thought, I thought a lot about just the anxiety of, of that, like the anxiety of making a legacy or making, and actually that picture, that picture of David with the, so David is a friend of mine who's a DJ and that picture was sort of, I was thinking of him as this proxy for um, this other, this other DJ who passed away in 2020, who was a DJ at this club, the same, he was like this very, very legendary DJ, uh, Warren Gluck is his name. That picture was sort of about him about Warren. And so the outdoor space there is kind of this, maybe this opportunity for that picture to be flexible in its, you know, the picture's about him, but it's not of him. He's sort of, yeah, like David is like a proxy character. This younger DJ who kind of maybe follows in the footsteps of Warren. Trees are so old as well. They were probably around when (laughs) when the other DJ was alive. There's some sort of connection through the history of nature and time. It's beautiful. I think like also the majority of that work so that's like the the outdoor stuff is almost like three i'm just now kind of finishing it so it's like almost three years of work and i was thinking about how in new york city every park every public space contains like monuments to people right like Mm -hmm. contains even if it's just like a bench that has someone's plaque on it 
every like thing around you in public space in a big city like New York is is probably a memorial. And I was thinking about that, how the pictures I take aren't, I don't want to say they're memorials, but they're sort of like monuments. They're small monuments. <laughs> but, uh, th- but yeah, in this way where it, it being in public, it being kind of this, that sort of being a, a detail of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a testimony, t- testimony yeah. or something. Yeah. Like a visual one. And also Anthony, your, your, your extraordinary painting, the one, um, the protected sleepers, the anti-Bowser tree. I, I adore that painting. And with the, um, you know, the, the web or the reference to spiders as well and nature kind of taking over. Oh, thank you. Yeah. With that painting was actually kind of, you know, I, I found this, um, ultimately like xenophobic, like medieval etching that was, um, uh, about kind of like poisonous plants around the world. And, uh, uh, so the etching was about this like fictional tree. It was like a Bowser tree that apparently was so poisonous that if you got near it, you would, by breathing the air, you would just kind of like die. Um, so I'll try to find the etching and send it to you, but it's, uh, mm. it was really like visually cr- uh, amazing. Cause it, it just looks like these two men who are kind of sleeping together. <laughs> um, and they don't really look dead. They just kind of look peacefully slumbering. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the etching, the tree is like super vertical. Um, and it's actually pretty phallic. Um, it's like precisely like through their, like the midsections of their bodies. Cause they kind of make this X um, pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to do like an inverted version of that where, where the tree was, this like kind of like arch uh kind of protecting them um but i also when i think about like nature especially recently like with the the grim show um i like to think about it kind of uh not not like um against or counter humans but kind of like to the side like um that like you know the the like hyper object of like the environment might have different aims or different considerations and morality than what we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are like in this like muddied, like complicated web with everything else around us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Amazing. Well, you're both incredible. We're on to our last questions, guys. You've made it through the gauntlet <laughs> of talk art. Congratulations. <laughs> So as a couple, and how long have you been married, by the way? How long have you been husbands? Since uh, August of 2017. So five years. Five years. And you were together for how long before that? Two, uh, like two oh, and a half years. No. Uh, Since four years. years. Oh, wait, 13, 14. Sorry. Yeah. We've been together like nine years. Yeah. Wow. So in gay years, that's about 470 something, isn't it? It's like <laughs> dog years times something. Um, congratulations. So as a couple, you. if you could do an art heist together, you could go in under cover of night, <laughs> hoods up like ninjas and steal artwork for yourselves as a couple, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. Wow. Um, you know, I thought about it uh, <laughs> completely solo. I didn't even consider it. Oh, why? <laughs> that's the question that's always asked. <laughs> yeah, but you know it's going to be the same thing. You guys just are so telepathic. Well, what is it? 
You should, I think should I do it. It's a bit like scissors. And what, do, what do you think it is then, Ian? What do you think stone. it is? Well, I would <laughs> guess something in Pompeii, right? <laughs> Just steal the wall from. <laughs> well, it's like there's no. It doesn't seem like there's any like limitation here. Like I like wanted what I personally wanted was uh, there. Uh, Matisse had a Cezanne painting that uh-huh. he kept in his bedroom. It was one of the one of the bathers um and he matisse had this like like fabulous quote about it that like the strangeness of that Cezanne painting sustained him for like decades while he was painting uh and so i want that (laughs) Cezanne painting (laughs) to sustain you wow and ian Uh, Mine is a little okay. I just thought, like, as you, I, the first thing that came to mind was, um, I was actually thinking about this when I was like, as I've been finishing up this recent body of work. Um, the, so there's like, probably not the whole thing because it was gigantic, but the uh, um, the Colossus of Rhodes <laughs> is a nice. uh, was like is like a piece of like a like a How statue or like a a monument that was never actually like recorded or um like every account of it is is like third fourth hand like it's like no one actually there's no one who's written about it who actually saw it or who actually like experienced it in person but there were all these when it fell all of these pieces uh like the 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 stuff that is actually written about is like the debris of it so I guess I would steal like a piece of the debris which I'm sure is like that's less theft and more archaeology yeah, of course. yeah, but it's a it's piece of artwork. That's right. It's yeah, it it carved by someone, an artisan, back in the day, thousands of oh, yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony. In Rhodes. And, and and also, Anthony, your um, Cezanne painting is actually Ian. Oh right, because yeah. he sustains. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's, that's right. Nice. I love. I'm, I'm I'm not at all like overly sentimental. <laughs> You're like our couples therapist. <laughs> I am. Yeah. That's, that's my new podcast. What yeah. is your... Um, therapy for artists. What's the next question, Rob? The next question is, what is your favourite colour and why? Oh, well, right now... Um, you have to say it at the same time. Ready? Uh, salmon. Velvety blue. <laughs> Very different. Salmon. Coral. Velvety blue salmon. Coral. What a beautiful colour. Coral. Coral. Yeah. Wait, maybe I'll oh switch over. Salmon and coral are what? Coral's like slightly less pink than yeah. more orange. Okay. More, well, somewhere. What's the other one? Velvety blue. Like What's that. velvety blue? I like. I know because I could be any velvety. You mean like a deep blue, like a yeah, like, like a, a cobalt midnight blue. Like yeah, mm. but it has to have. I think the reason it's velvety is like it's like still has the chroma, but it's very dark, more shimmery in some yes. ways. Yes. Okay. All right. Nice. Love that. <laughs> well, I, I love And what that. is the best advice you've ever received for both your art practices? Um, I was just thinking about this the other day and I can't remember. What is... <laughs> um, the best advice I, oh, I personally I know, I know. ever got was very... And it is very, like, I guess, um, personal to me is that um, when I was an undergrad, I feel like every faculty member that and teacher I had basically said like please wait like five to ten years before you do grad school 
mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people don't do. A lot of people go, especially now, go straight to grad school. And um, I waited about, there's like seven years in between. And just personally, like, that was probably the best advice I ever got because I oh, wow. had so... I feel like I was, when I went to grad school, I was in a place where like, I was really ready to be like challenged and like ready to consider so many different like perspectives, but also like I had like a, a sense of myself and I had like a sense of like how, um, like my relationship to painting had, you know, developed over the years and Mm -hmm. I was more stable in my day-to-day life like I had a consistent job and like we had like um an apartment together and like I just feel like if I had gone at more like a frantic part of my or like chaotic part of my life it would have not been beneficial so wow okay that's nice do you remember yours Ian yes I do uh well mine sort of came from so I when I was in grad school, I was teaching as well. And I um, was at first I was teaching under uh, an instructor who I actually had an undergrad as well. And so he became sort of like my mentor in grad school. And um, he was asked, like someone had posed, like a student had posed the question, like, how do I, it was that thing that Robert, you were saying, like, how do I get a show? How do I do this? How do I do that? And it was, and this happens like, you know, when I, I teach, I'm a teacher and I, when I teach, I get that question like at least once a semester. And it's always like really hard to answer because I feel like I was afraid to ask that question when I was in school and I was afraid to, and I sort of knew I had to figure it out on my own. But I remember he had like the best answer, which at the time probably like pissed the student off. Um, but I realized it's like so true. So the student says like, how do I, get a show like who do I have to basically what do I have to do to like get a show and um he was like well you know having a show is great but what's really great is not having a show (laughs) and like I didn't really know what he meant at the time but I think what he meant was sort of like if you don't have this like big pressure of something like that's waiting for you to Mm. like deliver to deliver the product or whatever then Mm. you can be as like weird as you want to be and you can kind of do anything you want to do. And that has that piece of advice has actually really sustained me in the times that I had like nothing going on. Um, mm. Where I kind of think like someone might have like a boom period and like a low period and whatever. And I think those are the times that you can really, at least for me, like those have been the times that I've made some of my favorite work right because it's like um i'm less less breathing down my neck happening where i can actually just be self-guided in this way and maybe that doesn't work for everyone but for me i was like i I think i really maybe as an artist i I need i need to keep some semblance of like really like independence or something with Mm. what i'm doing and like trust in what i'm like i need like when i work with like a gallery or whoever like i need i need someone to really like trust my like like humor me kind of yeah 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 um in order to feel like i'm doing what i need to do the thing so. is as well you need you need that like consistency of the studio as well or your yeah. practice because the shows will come and shows will go yeah exactly they're not right. they're not whereas your your practice is the thing that will be 
continuous mm. so yeah that's where it really needs to start from and also a show can easily come out of the studio if you're making yeah exactly you know I mean? right there's always going to be an opportunity to do a show right both very freeing uh, advice there for people listening get weird get weird yeah, get, get weird, weird. Yes. don't have a show and don't study get and have a load of, <laughs> have a load a of time weirdo. exactly between <laughs> yeah. studying well guys this has been heaven thank you so so much for coming on um you're both on instagram uh ian what is your instagram handle it's i Lu- anthony makes fun of it all the time. it's i luando it's like a i and then the first six letters of my or seven letters of my last name lewandowski so it's i l e w a n d o great and anthony <laughs> uh mine is just my full name uh just anthony cutahay Perfect. And you have both got a diptych that you worked on together for Fire Island Residency, which is a fundraiser, which is available now. And it's we talked about it briefly earlier on. It's amazing. And where can we see this and, and buy this if we want to purchase that and help the residency? Yeah, if you um, uh, go to the Fire Island Artist Residency website, they have uh, their additions page. And yeah, that was like such like an honor and such like a great experience. Like the residency set us up with Harlan, like Harlan and Weaver, which is like a really iconic uh, print shop here in, in New York city. And I made like a kind of a traditional etching and Ian made a, a graph. I made a photogravure print and it was just like amazing. Amazing. Well, congratulations. Everyone should go and check that out. And for everyone listening, you can go to our talk art page on Instagram and see the images we're talking about and follow green gallery and who should we follow to look at your work as well as your Instagram page? Ian? Is there anywhere we should be looking at? Mostly just my Instagram. I'm supposed Amazing. to supposed to be updating my website soon, so it's <laughs> stay tuned for that. I really like your website. <laughs> Thank Ian you. also has. I'll be your brand ambassador. You also have books out with Magic. Oh, Press. sorry, I should have said that. I have two <laughs> books. Uh, <laughs> you just got two books. Yeah. <laughs> I just released my second book um, with Cult Books, which is a publisher. They Their Instagram is just at Cult Books, K-U-L-T. Um, and it's a Swedish publisher in Stockholm. Uh, they also make other, other really amazing books. Uh, and Magic Hour Press, which is my friend Jordan Weitzman's actually podcast and, uh, and imprint. And actually, Russ, talking of plural books, we also have a second book. Oh, it's not a competition. Uh, be announced. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let our listeners know. Yeah, like. we've also got two books. Yeah, this is yeah. Big deal. <laughs> we do. We do. Our second book, Talk Out the Interviews, is out in May 2023. Well, thanks, guys. Well, thank yeah, you, stick guys. around. Uh, but thank you yeah. very, very much. Hopefully Massive we'll love, and I'm glad soon. we've done this. Yes, thank That's you so much. Bye. For everyone listening, we'll so be much. back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye, bye, bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.